When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, The Net Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am your host, Bridget McGowan, and today I have with me Angelique Hamilton. Angelique, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, I have to tell you, based on our conversation, before I hit the record button, I immediately said to myself, I wonder if she had the same problem I had as a child. And I wonder if she received talks too much on all of her report cards. Did that happen to you? I, I, I'm just wondering. <laughs> Yeah, I always had that in school, that I was either too talkative or the person that was the most vocal in class, the spokesperson for everyone. And I'm still to that day, that spokesperson for everyone. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, given the purpose of this show, and it is for us to demonstrate that public speaking is nothing to be feared, what advice, I'm just hitting it hard right out the gate, what advice do you have for people who say to themselves, Okay, that's nice, Angelique. That's nice, Bridget. You were talkative. I'm not. What advice can you give for someone who says, I, I just, that's not me. I, I'm still scared. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, chatty Kathy. Yeah, you really, you don't have to be chatty Kathy. Um, one thing I can tell you, even though I was talkative at times, I'm an ambivert. So at times I am very much introversion, (laughs) go into that shell of introversion where I am not speaking and talking. I tell people to envision yourself having a conversation with your friends and the people that you love the most. It's the same conversation, but just a different audience and a different mean of how you're conveying your message. So that same simple conversation that you're asking or having with someone like, how was your day? That's the exact same conversation that you will have with a large or small group of people. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's a conversation, slightly different format, but still it's about a give and take. What do you typically present on? What is your wheelhouse? What's your core message? Yeah, so my wheelhouse and core message falls within human resources, people operations, diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm all about really building solid workplace cultures. And you can see it's very evident now we're at a place where our business culture and workplace culture is eroding. So it's so important that we put together the foundations within these companies, whether you're a small business or a large business, so that employees can be their best selves and be high-performing employees and contribute to the greater good. So I speak on those topics. And one of the things that I really like to speak on and uh, shine on in terms of uh, topics 
is allowing individuals to find their best selves. I think when we come to the workplace, we don't bring our true self. So we're having to really create a duplicate persona that's nothing like us. And once we leave and exit the building, there's a different persona. Um, but we're in a time now, it's so evident and so important for individuals to be their true self. What do you think stops people from being their true selves, especially, like you said, in this time that we're in and have been over the last few years? I think it's afraid, you know, um, there's a fear that most employees are afraid of that they will be either rejected or not accepted as a part of a collective group. And for me, I feel like you don't have to worry about that. You want to be in an environment where you feel comfortable. If you're in an environment right now that you're not comfortable in bringing your true self to the workplace, that's not the place for you. I mean, you can't make yourself fit into an organization, an environment, and a culture that is not appreciating who you are and your core qualities that you're bringing to the workplace. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Angelique Hamilton is an extraordinary visionary entrepreneur who finds her motivation in faith and a deep-rooted desire to create a positive impact in the world. With a remarkable track record spanning over 20 years, she has emerged as a trusted leader in the healthcare, nonprofit, and startup industries, specializing in HR, leadership, DEI, and coaching. Angelique is the CEO of the HR Chic Group. It's an HR DEI consulting firm, and she's played a pivotal role in constructing world-class organizations for emerging small businesses and startups. Her strategic insight and innovative mindset have revolutionized these businesses, allowing them to thrive in today's intensely competitive environment. Angelique's distinct leadership style is driven by her desire to uplift others and foster inclusivity and equity to create a better world and society. Angelique holds a Bachelor of Business degree as well as a Master of Business, Administra a Master of Business Administration, and she actively engages with her community, residing in Florida with her family where she passionately supports a wide range of causes and organizations that advance women's rights, equitable health care, and public education. Now, when you think about one of your favorite presentations, whether it's connected to DEI and people showing up as their authentic selves or not, when you think about your favorite presentation, what makes it your favorite presentation and why? I don't know. I have a, quite a few topics that are like my favorite, um, but my favorite topic is one that I've done a couple of times um, that I truly am passionate about. And again, it's geared towards the workplace it is this job sucks. Now what? <laughs> because we are, we are in a, a world right now that the average individual, over 60% of individuals are dissatisfied or not engaged with their workplace. So that means that they've quietly quit. They don't like what they're doing. So what can we do to enable people to find that great place that they fit into and that they will love and not actually 
dread waking up on a Monday or going into work <laughs> that seven o'clock or 8 a.m. start time. So the reason I really love that talk, um, because I try to focus on the individual, because at times I feel that when we're speaking about careers, we're speaking in the sense of the employer and not the employee. So what is it that this employee can use to find what they're interested in and what they're pursuing and what can we do to motivate them, to help them and enable them to get there? What's one thing, one thing that you can share with us without invoicing me, that <laughs> <laughs> can get employees closer to that, that goalpost, if you will. I would say is to create your own brand. Uh, you know that everyone has a brand, whether you're McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or whomever, but you also have a personal brand. So what is your personal brand saying about you in your current position and in your current role? If you don't know what it says, it is a great time to create that narrative and that story to paint a picture to other people on these are some of the great things that you do if you're an accountant and you excel in finance, but you also excel in marketing, showcase those skills and those talents so people really know what your brand is and who you are. And don't be afraid to oversell yourself on what your qualities and talents are because only you know what you're capable of and other people are not aware of that. How do you walk that fine line of selling yourself and being annoying or braggadocious? Yeah, so I think there's a, a distinction in being braggadocious is that you're constantly repeating and speaking of yourself, but there's a distinction when you speak to your true qualities that yes, I am great at building, you know, building Excel worksheets to help the team, you know, in terms of a team and collaborative um partnership versus all about me i do this i do this yes you can but how will that contribute to the betterment of your team and also the betterment of the company that you're working for so if you're not showcasing that and actually um, providing that information to your direct manager and supervisor you're a best kept secret no one really knows about what you're doing and what you offer Mm, I absolutely love that answer. Can you tell I'm, I'm coming from a place of familiarity with that? Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness. We have this one colleague where we're thinking, yes, that is fantastic. We have done that too. <laughs> but it's, it's one thing to toot your own horn, but it's another thing to toot it, but then also demonstrate how it's part of the rest of the band and how it's supporting <laughs> the rest of the team. I love of that answer. Now, when you think about being a professional speaker, did you always want to be one, Angelique? Uh, I don't think so. I just felt like I'm always that person that spoke for everyone. And I'm like, well, if I'm actually speaking for other people, why not speak to educate and communicate important topics that matter to most people? So yeah, I don't think I actually really thought of it in that view, but now that you, you know, you asked me that, yeah, so I, I think I'm at a place right now that this is a, you know, good place in terms of um, becoming a speaker and really shining a light of the things that I cherish the most and really want to support. 
what was one of the challenges that you've had as a professional speaker that you've overcome or you've created strategies to not make it a challenge anymore? I think um, I will say the first time that I really started to speak is just second guessing uh, my skill set myself. You know, am mm. I? I, I he was like, okay, let me compare, you know, that whole comparison uh, point of it, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. And so when you're comparing yourself to someone else, their mode and their method of speaking is totally different than what you're going to do. So I had to really focus on what I'm great at speaking to, how I actually convey that messaging and how I deliver it and focus on that. And once I was able to do that, uh, to me, again, it's just part of having conversations with so many great people that I get to meet and just imparting that knowledge to them. You focused on your knowledge. You focused on your skill set. You focused on your talent in order to get yourself out of that comparison mode. But it feels like it's not that easy for some people. Uh -huh. I know for me, I don't have an issue with comparison mode. I don't compare. You, I just, I have no interest in sitting and looking and seeing what I do and what I have and what I'm able to do versus someone else. I, I, I just have no interest in that. It, it's exhausting to even think about it. Do you have any recommendations for how listeners can get to where you are, where, you know what, you're not in comparison mode. You're just getting out there crushing it. Right. I don't know. What's, what's something that they could do now, or what's a shift in the thinking they could make? And I know this is so, it sounds so simple and easy, but you have to believe in your abilities and believe in yourself. You truly have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, when you are actually presenting and speaking, people won't believe in your messaging either. So it's important to start off, even if you're speaking locally, you know, at uh, organi different organizations or even in a different group that you volunteer with, people want to hear from you. So you have to start where you are. So wherever you are right now in terms of speaking, start there and then branch off. And as you continue to go through the whole speaking, as I can consider it the speaking community, you'll get more um, and additional events to speak at, but it's so important to really believe in yourself, believe in what you're able to produce and provide, and just continue to share that knowledge because speaking is all about imparting knowledge. What are your favorite kinds of presentations? Keynotes, workshops, breakouts, trainings, webinars? What's your jam? Yeah, so I love webinars. Uh, I'm all about engaging and being very interactive and also workshops. Uh, I'm a hands-on person. I actually, as you can see, I, I speak with my hands as well. So I love that engagement. Um, it's okay for me to do a keynote, but I really like to have those intimate moments when I'm working with individuals in a training session or a webinar or just engaging on a one-to-one -one and really getting to know the audience. It's since 2020, everybody is on Zoom or WebEx <laughs> or find whatever platform you want. And a lot of people are afraid of presenting online or making virtual presentations, delivering webinars. 
I, you don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. I much prefer it. So from the shoulders up, I look fantastic. The bottom <laughs> half, I probably got on yoga pants, right? I'm like, this doesn't get any better. And when I finish, I don't have to go schlepping off into an Uber, please. And Thank fly you. to an airport, I'm <laughs> about to see my pants trying to get through TSA. I can do this all day. But there are a lot of people who just kind of shy away from online presenting. What is a strategy or what is a shift in the thinking that they can make that will help them embrace this digital world that we're in when it comes to presenting that is not going away anytime soon? Yeah, I would say to uh, take it one step at a time, especially with the, the digital method of actually speaking. It's really no different than speaking in person with someone. I think it takes more <laughs> gumption to speak in front of uh, you know a crowd of hundreds and thousands of individuals. But when you have those individuals face to face with you, um, st statistics will prove that most of them are more afraid of you <laughs> in terms of speaking than you are afraid of them. Most individuals do not like Zoom webinars or any of those type of presentation modes. So as you may notice, even in, when you're presenting, they may have their cameras off because of that apprehension. So uh, try to engage uh, with your attendees um, to create that engagement by getting them involved and more comfortable uh, with that format. Um, even though we've been through this format for the, probably the last four years throughout the pandemic, there's still a huge percentage of people that have a reservation and they're just leery of really uh, actually attending webinars because they're just afraid to come on camera and afraid to engage with other attendees. So just making them comfortable, uh, getting them a part of your presentation so you're not talking at them or really to them, but you're talking with them so that they're a part of that full presentation and a part of your training. I oftentimes hear people express concern over audience members not being on camera. Mm -hmm. And they like to connect that to the engagement component or audience engagement. And I have a little bit of a, an unconventional thought and approach to this. I don't think pe people being on camera has anything to do with audience engagement. Right. And, uh, and, quite. And, also, <laughs> and I would agree with you too. And we also have to be in terms of inclusiveness um, for individuals who are neuro, neurodiverse. So there's oftentimes when you do not see that engagement, it's not because they're not wanting to participate because there's ways that you can have individuals engage either through you know messaging, chat. There's so many different tools that they can also participate in. But you also have to be consider, considerate of how you're being inclusive to other individuals who may differ in terms of how they're receiving that messaging. And just even making it a little bit more practical, it could be someone who's sick and right. doesn't want to be on camera, but they really want to be here for the information. It could be someone whose schedule didn't line up quite just right. So maybe they're driving and they're off camera and just listening to the audio portion. So there's a myriad of reasons why someone may not be on camera. And I know people will say, well, I, I worry that they're doing something else, that they're working on email or they're on social media. And my response to that is the first words out of your mouth 
The opening minutes of your session need to be so arresting, so interesting, until they immediately say to themselves, there is no way I am going to go off camera and go load the dishwasher. I'm staying around for this. (laughs) (laughs) Once you grab their attention, you know, in the first 10 seconds, you will have an engaged and connected audience. You have to have something or say some some type of response to that audience that keeps them linked and connected uh, to what you're prepared to speak on. But again, I I think it's just so important to have that inclusion and have individuals participate and be a part of your session in all different means and modes. Um, You can, yeah, you can definitely still have breakout rooms and they can still participate, you know, through chat and um, through other um, and through the announcements if you're working on Zoom. So there's ways that you can really connect with your audience. Very, very true. Very true. Angelique, I know you have a question for me. We're going to get to that in a second. Right now, I want to know, has there ever been a moment in a presentation where it was just unforgettable? And if you could replay it over and over again, you would. And take us there and tell us why that is a moment that you just want to live over and over again. Yeah, so... I've had a couple of interesting uh, incidents uh, that have occurred with training, but one that I I can actually recall, probably this is over 10 years ago, I'm a certified Gallup's coach. So I was coaching a group of leaders and managers on really um, lending to the talents of their team. As I was presenting, my entire presentation went out in terms of the connection uh, the microphone stopped working. And so I only had two options <laughs> to radio, uh, the technology. And when technology came in, we were, weren't able to get it to work. So what I did is I actually brought the, that entire group closer together and spoke, uh, right in front of that group and just continued on with the presentation. The reason it was memorable to me, because it was a, a pretty large group, I had all of my notes in my presentation. So that called for me going forward to really document my notes uh, and highlight it and just bolded topics. So now I just have one card is just a bolded topic and I'm able to speak to that topic versus to the presentation. So when I first started uh, training and uh, speaking, I would just speak to my presentations and and now I'm able to really, you know, uh, talk to, from memory and um, actually speak directly on the topic or theme uh, that I'm trying to direct for the audience. Uh, and I remember uh, two people in the audience were like, you don't have to talk about it today. We can just sit in here and we can do something else. But I was like, no, no, I am here uh, to really help you all um, a- as a group. And so I really want to be able um, to provide that. So I think as a uh, trainer, facilitator, speaker, presenter, you will have incidents and occurrences where where that will happen, that either technology doesn't work, you may arrive somewhere and your materials don't get there ahead of you. So you have to be able to have plan B, C, D, all the way through Z, because it happens every time. Without a doubt, (laughs) without a (laughs) doubt. 
And I like how you talked about presenting to the slide deck, if you will, presenting to the presentation, if you will, versus presenting to the topic. And one thing that I am continuing to evolve over the years is my slide design. Mm -hmm. And for the first time ever, I am in the coming days presenting a keynote where there are hardly any words in this slide deck. I'm talking about hardly any words at all. There is slide after slide after slide of high resolution graphics, one after another. And I was on a rehearsal with the contact. It's a virtual presentation that I'll deliver, virtual keynotes. And as we're flipping through the slides, I just wanted to make sure everything was looking right and everything. She says, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to hear this presentation. Just, there's not a word on the slides, Angelique. There's a, there's an image of a lawnmower. There's an image of a ice cream cone melting on a sidewalk. <laughs> there's an image of a black hole in the ground. <laughs> it's like, what is this woman going to deliver to this audience? And she's not even terrified, right? <laughs> so... I can't, I cannot believe it. Someone had told me 10 years ago, I would deliver a presentation where I've just got images popping up and hardly any words. I would have said, no, nope, you're talking about some other speaker, right? So I love that idea of speaking to or presenting to the topic because that's what's going to happen for me when I see that image come up. I know where to take that presentation. I don't have to stay exactly on script, but I have an idea of where I'm going when I see that image of, I'm trying to think of some other images that are in there, a light bulb or a, I don't know, there's all kinds of stuff in there. It's hilarious. Some lumber. Oh, there's even a picture of a red and white igloo cooler, but I digress. <laughs> I think it works though, uh, because when you have graphics, because we live in a microwave actually society and the attention uh, to grab people is so small and minute. So people gravitate to imagery. And so it seems to work. And I learned that, you know, through the process of, of actually speaking, you know, the more that I had on a slide and the more information that I had to speak to, it sound rehearsed and didn't want it to sound, you know, too canned. And I really want to deliver very authentic uh, speeches and very authentic um, support to individuals. And it's freeing. It's so freeing to not have all of that text up there because when right. you put that text up there, you've got to talk about it. If you've got five bullets about A, B, and C, you had better talk about A, B, C, D, and E since you've got five <laughs> bullets up there because someone's going to call you up. What? It's like, <laughs> you know what? Relax. <laughs> okay, Angelique, what is your question for me? Now, so I know you've been speaking uh, for a number of years. Uh, my question for you, what was one of the most audacious goals that you had for yourself as a speaker and how did you overcome it? Mm. One of the most audacious goals I had for myself as a speaker was back in 2018-2019. Angelique, at that point, I had been speaking for 17, 18 years. And I submitted a proposal to a conference. It was a local conference. And I just knew I would get accepted. I knew I would. And 
A few weeks later, I submitted a proposal to another conference that was the international version of this local conference. I don't know, maybe a few months later, two or three months later, I received my response from the local conference. Nice proposal. No thanks. Have a nice day. I'm mortified because the same proposal that I submitted to the international conference, it was nearly verbatim, right? Uh, so I thought if the state, the state level of this organization is not interested in the presentation, well, there's no way the international conference is gonna have any interest. So, well, you know what? You may as well open up your calendar, girl. <laughs> because the international peeps aren't going to ask you to come on and accept your proposal. But I was wrong. They did. I thought, huh, well, how about that? But I haven't gotten to the audacious goal yet. That international conference accepted my proposal, got all the information lined up, got the dates protected on my calendar, and there was this one question in the speaker form, if you will, and it read, and I'm sure I've seen this before, it read, do you have a book available to sell in the bookstore? Now, I don't know why this caught my attention this particular time, Angelique, because this is now 2019. I've been speaking since 2001. I don't know how many conferences, how many thousands of people I had presented in front of at this point. I don't know why all of a sudden this light bulb goes off. And I say, you know what? I don't have a book right now, but I will in time for the conference. Angelique, this was March of 2019. The conference was in May of 2019. That was the audacious goal. I'm telling you, I have no clue where that audaciousness came from. Now, yes, I had been blogging for the last three years on the topic that I was going to be speaking on. So I had tons of content, but still it's more than just having the content. It needs to be edited. It needs to be formatted. It needs to be typeset. I need a graphic designer. I need a cover. I need an international standard book number. I need a barcode. I need a Library of Congress control number. I need, I, I, and I also am a mom and a wife and... And I was going to get this done. And let's be very clear. That was March of 2019 when they accepted the proposal and asked if I had the book. And I, I, I clicked yes. You would get it. Yes. Right. I, mean, I don't know where it's coming from. I'm pulling a book out of my, out of my armpit. I don't know. And the conference yes was in May, two months later. However, we know how these things work. You can't bring the books in, in, your, in your knapsack to the conference, they needed the books because this was a very large conference, 13,000, 14,000 people in attendance. Oprah was also one of the speakers. They needed the books. I'm pretty sure it's at least two or three weeks before the conference. So now I'm really not working with a two month window here, maybe a five week window of trying to get this done. But Angelique, I got it done. And not only did I get it done, and it's in the bookstore, it sells out, it wins an award, it's now in its second edition, and the second edition has won an award. So there's my audacious goal as a speaker 
I mean, it, it was just one of those, you know, okay, yeah, I don't know how it's going to get done, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah, you did it though. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's definitely amazing. So what about people, you? Yeah. You know, when people say that they can't, you can. Exactly. I don't want to hear that foolishness. When you tell me you cannot do something, all of a sudden I go deaf. <laughs> so tell me what's an audacious goal that you've had as a speaker and how did you how did you get there how did you achieve it well my my actually my audacious goal was to start speaking I had always been um in the arena of human resources and my speaking was really directed to my employees and um what happened was I actually had a peer that had a need for someone to come and speak to a group of women about career related um, support. And uh, she's like, I, I've been looking for someone. I know you're in HR. You think you can do this? Uh, you, it's next week. I just need you to come here to speak on it. I say, oh, oh great. Yeah, I, I can put together a presentation. Like, what did you want? Well, I have these group of women and they have no idea what they want to do in their lives and what in their careers. So that was my first step at really trying, um, trying out this thing called speaking. And it went extremely well. And right after that that um, session, I got another call. Can you speak about diversity, equity, inclusion? Of, of course I can. And, and it just started from there, actually. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Angelique, what else do our listeners need to know in order to make sure they're always owning the microphone? Um, I think um, the things that they need to know, again, is be true to yourself. Uh, believe in yourself, have faith in what you do and what you can deliver uh, because you can do this thing called speaking. You're doing it every day. And um, for the most part, get your brand out there, get in front of who you are and share that with the world. Because if no one knows your story, again, you're the best kept secret. So unleash that secret and get it out to the world. Mm. Love it. Angelique Hamilton, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. For sure. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.